we're live we're live we're fr- i'm live this guy's not live i'm live what the fuck are you he's talking live about? he's live hell mode is live motherfucker bro I'm, i've been eating gardettos i'm, <laughs> I'm living good <laughs> i got some fucking comfort food yesterday uh, Wally World uh, got a corn dog, got some Gardettos, had a nice night. Yeah, you know it. You know it. All right, here we go. It's the money fucking week with John. Uh, good morning, everybody. And bullets in the gun. One shot, one shot, one shot, one shot, one shot. Ain't nobody Thank dropping you. hotter podcasts than the Dub DB. Here we go. It is uh, October sixteenth, twenty twenty three. Um, yeah, this is nice, man. I like October. October is probably one of my favorite months. This has been a good month. It's it's in that upper tier of months, man. It just finally, like yesterday, got kind of kind of cold. Um, and I mean, like, not not like cold, cold, you know, but. Uh, it was it was uh, in the low 50s, if not high 40s at some points. I was like, OK, oh, shit. All right. I woke up uh, and, uh, you know, actually actually put the heat on. I was like, this, wow. this is cold. I don't like this. We got a we got a memo that said, if your heater smells like it's burning when you first turn it on after like eight months, that's fine. That is normal. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like that for maybe 20 minutes. But then after yeah. that, you'll be fine. But yeah, I got it was like that for a couple days twice. And now it's like right back in the very, very low. Like it just peaks at 70. And I'm I'm just like, I'd like I'd like a little bit colder. We were doing really well when the last two Mondays were 50 degrees. And that's just when I played volleyball. Actually, last Thursday and the, the match before that. So that was Tuesday. It was both like both those days. It was like 50 degrees. And it's just like. The, the court is clay. It's it's all just clay. It's not even sand. Um, so, uh, I think uh, I think it's time that I drop the I drop the claim. I'm dropping the claim, and uh, oh, then okay. it'll be time for sip talk. But we're gonna start off today with a with a big claim, and I and I do hold true to this because I think um, I think I've been wrongly. This, I've been wrongly lambasted for this uh, oh, no. because you've been lambasted. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> look that one up, bitch. Uh, I have been wrongly like accused for being anti uh, anti pizza because, in my opinion, there is a food that is more universal, more universally loved and and able to be eaten, uh, and 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 loved because it's just hard. It's hard to fuck this food up. It really is hard to fuck up a burrito. Ladies and gentlemen, it's 2023. It's time to stop pretending that pizza is just the most universally loved food. It's the burrito. It's 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 just the burrito. The burrito is just a better food. And now you're going to tell me, oh, you know, Stephen, you can have, you know, there are really bad burritos out there that just have a shit ton of rice and and yeah, and there are also shitty pizzas that have no fucking sauce 
and just a little bit of cheese. And that's called a it's New called York Detroit style. style. It's called the <laughs> New York style. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the New York style pizza is loved and it's shit. And, you know, I'm going to say there's 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 just burritos are better. The average burrito is is probably better than the average pizza. There's people out there that are putting fucking anchovies and olives on pizza. Okay, that's not the average pizza, bro. Ah, uh, bro, uh, olives are on a lot more pizzas than you think. And, yeah, and but onions, like anchovies. Okay, anchovies, you're right. Not on, not on a lot of pizzas. Uh, onions, fucking, uh, what did I say? Olives, mushrooms. They're putting mushrooms on pizza. Not Man eats Red mushroom. Baron Supreme pizza once. Yeah, it's it's shit. I'm sorry, <laughs> but uh, and I'll say there are bad burritos out there. Like I had one this last week. I, I stopped at the good old Mavies, uh, short for Maverick, uh, the the gas station of choice in Utah when you don't go to Sinclair because their gas prices are too high. Uh, just because they had a fucking green dinosaur back in the day, and oh, now we can charge more on gas. Yeah, it doesn't work like that, buddy. Uh, I go to Mavies and. Uh, Always check the burritos if I if I'm feeling really hungry because they got good sized burritos. The tortilla is cooked perfectly, steamed perfectly, and uh, yeah, there's steak and rice. There's I guess they just call it a steak burrito. You know, it had a good amount of steak, but goddamn, you are eating a load of rice in a fucking tortilla shell. Um, there are bad burritos out there. Now I'm gonna tell you this: breakfast burritos. It's better than any fucking pizza that you can have for breakfast. I'll tell you that. Give me one good breakfast pizza. Done. You're wrong. No, there are none. No, okay. Bad. No, you could you could absolutely do some sort of like fucking like. I mean, you could you can put whatever you want on pizza, dude. If you could if you can put it in pasta, it'll work on pizza. If you can put it on bread, it'll work on pizza because that's all it is. But I mean, I would just rather have like I don't even fucking like breakfast tacos, man. I would just rather have like. A slice of pizza, like a slice of just cheese pizza, with maybe with some ham on it. Like I'll, I'll do that maybe. Get some, get some pineapple too to get some fruit in the morning, man. You know, just give me would Hawaiian. Put... Just give me a fucking Hawaiian pizza in the morning. That's so trash. Like a spicy Hawaiian before. pizza. Fuck no. <laughs> that is like the struggle meal. I should stop eating Gardetto's live. Man, man is eating. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so hungry for fucking Gardetto's. Um, no, bro, you would not put fucking eggs on a breakfast pizza. You would not put eggs in spaghetti. You would not fucking a Hawaiian meal. Okay. In the you mo- you would have a to Hawaiian do a different pizza sauce. In the morning stinks. It just stinks. It's the no, poor it, man's what, meal. What? Why is that? What the fuck? Because you're only hey, solidarity with the poor man. So yeah, I'm there for it. Go. Let's let's. Yeah, that's not an insult. All right, I'll, I I will I will seed that, but uh, it does not. It is not the perfect breakfast. You're eating like some really stale dough in the morning, and and at that point you have your sauce is cold. Your cheese is, you know, the cheese is probably the best part about a cold pizza. You know, it, it's 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 hard to fucking not. Do like you eat breakfast tacos cheese. cold? No, but you people fucking eat frozen eat. For, not frozen pizza. They have their leftover pizza in the morning, and that's cold. Yeah, but you don't have to eat it cold. You can you can do whatever you want. This is America. Yeah, but if it hasn't caught on, then it must not be that good. You know I'm right. Fuck. The burrito right. is just fucking better, man. <laughs> You're just mad. They have burnt ends burritos at fucking Mavi's, and it's delicious. Burnt end burritos. You, what, 
what is okay so what is it like we have the the basic layout for a pizza is just like your bread your sauce and your cheese what is the basic layout for a burrito uh i would say the basic layout for a burrito would be ground beef uh shredded fucking mexican cheese i don't know mexican cheese blend and uh probably some probably a little bit of lettuce and sour cream I mean, personally, I would do chopped up tomatoes because tomatoes are just way better than lettuce. But I'm trying to think like what the very public agreeing like baseline burrito would be. And I would See, say that's yeah, that that's that's the core of what I'm getting at here and why I feel like you can't really compare the two is that like a burrito is it's it's. I mean, even the choice of meat in a burrito, like I can't, I can't think of the last time I willingly had like a ground beef burrito. Like I'm always getting like chicken yeah. steak in that shit, man. That's so, true. I mean, maybe some chorizo in there too. I don't know, but there's already in like the, the baseline layout for a burrito. I don't think you'll get people like to agree on what that is. Whereas with pizza, it's just the bread, the sauce and the cheese, unless you're in Detroit and we already said Detroit, what are you doing? So we're not even thinking about them right now. Uh, New York, I guess. Yeah, there's not a lot of sauce on there, but at least it's it's there, so I'll 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 allow it. But you can't you can't really do the same with a burrito. I don't think these are two comparable uh things. Like a burrito, there's when you say burrito, anybody's mind could go to like a bunch of different places. I don't even think I want lettuce in a burrito. Put no, lettuce I fuck out of there, man. Yeah, who's putting lettuce in their burrito? Lettuce should be a taco only thing. That's not a burrito thing. All right, I'm gonna say then it's like I'm gonna say this. Shredded chicken, uh, queso, a little bit of rice, and a little bit of beans. That's your burrito. Bam. No fucking sour point, cream. I'm not sour cream. No. I, oh. Wait, what? I said I'm not sour cream. You're not sour cream. Okay, good I'm confirmation there. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I think eh, still, like... The baseline there, I don't even think you can really put like a certain meat in a baseline burrito. Like that's more of a topping, you know. I think a baseline burrito would just be like tortilla, rice, cheese, and uh, maybe like some pico in there. I feel like that's kind of essential. But no, I would I rather have just that. like a slice of pizza outside of that. I I disagree. I disagree. The burrito is just a. You can walk with the burrito. You can fucking go on a plane with the burrito. You could fucking ride a jet, ride a dolphin with the burrito. You just you have to have two hands for pizza. No, you and don't. You you fold it like a real like a real New Yorker. That's true, man. You do fold that shit. I I love folding pizza, and I it's so I'm, good. I uh, I feel bad for people that have never like made their own pizza sandwich where they fold it. You know, mm. you could if you really think about it. If you put two like triangle slices face down, and uh, you like roll it back, you could you could make like a pizza. I guess you call it like a dumpling, or a fucking pizzerito. Why do you need two? Can't you just do it with one? Yeah, but like you know, you, you could do it with two. You get it's chunkier. I don't fucking know what I'm talking about. <laughs> this is so stupid. <laughs> I get where I you're am coming getting from. Bad opinion. People think that I am totally messed up in the head for thinking that a burrito is just, dude. A burrito is it. It's it. It's like the food: tortilla, meat, cheese, 
fucking other vegetables that you want, like carne asada, bam, there you go. Barbacoa, bam, there you go. Personally, I think barbacoa is delicious. You want it's chunks of steak? Great. Bam, there you go. You want shredded chicken? Well, bam, well, bam, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. There you go. And then you get all the fucking shit in there that you want. Your queso, I, hold the rice and just give me a bunch of beans <laughs> instead because that's how I like my burritos. Give me that's a bunch of better, pico. Yeah. Give me a bunch of guac. Give me a bunch of fucking shredded cheese. There. That's that's it. I mean, I don't I think I struggle to find a pizza that's better than that. No, I I I think if it came down to it, like I'd probably agree with that that like the the best like simple experience in food probably is just like a well-stuffed burrito with like your favorite ingredients in there. I think that would beat out like most slices of pizza, if not all slices of pizza I've ever had. Like the best burrito I've ever had is definitely better than the best slice of pizza I've ever had. But I think that's, it's so, it's so personalized, you know, like it's so, I don't, I don't, I don't know exactly what I'm saying here, man, but it's like, I think the pizza on average, I think it's harder to fuck up because it's so simple. Like I've had some burritos that have been like, damn, I should not have gotten a burrito today, but I've never even in like the worst pizza I've ever had been like, man, I really shouldn't have got pizza today. All right. I'm going to play the ace in my hand. You know what the best pizza is? What? A, a calzone. You know what a calzone is? Oh, fuck. He did you it. Oh, shit. It. He <laughs> He's done it. The mind has been open. <laughs> Fucking got him. Fucking got him. Uh, I can't disagree, bro. I can't. I got nothing own. for it. Own. I got nothing. Fucking <laughs> own. <laughs> Every time I hit someone with that, they're like, see it, see it, boy, you're right. Fucking owned. That's that's literally all built up to that. A fucking calzone is just a pizza burrito. I can't defeat the calzone. It's too too strong. The calzones are delicious, man. I love calzones, but that shit's a burrito at the end of the day. And if you disagree, you're just fucking wrong. You're just wrong. It's, It's an Italian burrito, yeah. Utterly owned. Uh, oh well, on the on the topic of 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 good food, I'm gonna I'm gonna not keep to it. I'm gonna talk about bad shit now. <laughs> um, I had one sip, one sip, one unique sip, one unique to the show sip this week, and my coworker actually told me about it first. This is a uh, brand that we know. This is a uh, uh, used to talk about it a lot more. Uh, just haven't happened hasn't happened in a while since it was so uh, since it got a little bit more expensive and the scenery changed around me and I just stopped seeing them outside of Walmart but uh, I did get a sip that my coworker has wanted to try and he tried it today and he said it was fucking trash absolutely disgusting and he was right because I had it yesterday and it was fucking disgusting I'm talking about ghost more specifically what bubblicious ghost bubblicious is a hubba bubba gum mixed with ghost and this is supposed to be a strawberry drink um no this is like disgusting artificial cotton candy flavored uh hubba bubba gum that is it this is like tasting gum that's supposed to taste like strawberry 
they probably dissolved like the hubba bubba gum flavor directly into the drink and mixed it with your L carnitine and other shit that you get in a ghost drink. This shit is you cannot gulp this. Like a gulp feels like a gulp feels repulsive in every way. Um, this is a this is a two out of ten. This shit is fucking trash. Damn. This is disgusting, and this is what you get for doing a gum. Yeah, look at that. That's a good. That's a good like logo. That strawberry splash with the cat popping the thing, and then they had to do it like this with fucking ghosts. It's trash. I'm sorry. So. But- I I feel like okay I've there've been some hot takes on this can on the uh on the energy drink subreddit and I've seen some people have that same opinion that this is just terrible. And I get that. I think it's very distinct. I have had this. I I actually enjoyed it, but I feel like your main criticism here is just that it is what it is. You know, like this is this is a drink made to taste like strawberry flavored bubblegum. And that's exactly what you described it as. Okay, so they did very good at that, but I was really like, if I'm gonna go for a strawberry energy drink, I'm getting the strawberry from Monster. This it that's just better than this. I I think that I have said before that Ghost is very good at hitting the flavors that they are advertising. Like their sour pink lemonade is very strong. Their sour patch blue raspberry tastes exactly like a sour patch. I think I I remember having their tropical mango one. And it was like decent. It was just kind of okay. It wasn't like blow my socks off, but but this 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 just it is what it is. Yeah, and it sucks because I don't like it. I'm sorry, <laughs> but I was hoping that it, like it would it would taste a little bit, you know, not like gum from the early 2000s, and it would taste mm-hmm. a little bit better. But yeah, no, I I, I suppose you're right. I think the cherry limeade is still one of my favorites from Ghost. I still haven't tried that one. They're Swedish fish, man. That's my shit. <laughs> oh man, they're uh, the guy at work that uh, that that was gonna try this. He had Swedish fish. He uh, he thinks that Swedish fish are okay, like he'll chew them, but he despises the Swedish fish drink <laughs> because it just tastes like Swedish fish. Um, exactly. That's what the fuck. What you... I don't know. I, I, we're, we're fucked up, man. We're we're, we're messed <laughs> up. What is in we that Utah water, man? <laughs> we expect different things. We expect good drinks. Um, still, uh, still say that the orange creamsicle is fucking trash. <laughs> so bad. Um, yeah. But anyway, I think uh, I'm I'm just very glad that this is going to be the only time I have this fucking stupid ass bubblicious bullshit. Is Ghost like is Ghost like a popular energy drink on this uh on this subreddit? Like it I seems would like argue it's out there a lot. Ghost is the most popular energy drink on the sub. That's sad, man. Come on, why? I don't know. I mean, they're just they're they're kind of new. Uh, they they keep coming out with flavors that like go back to people's childhoods, like with the with the Sour Patch Kids and the uh, uh, and the Warheads and Swedish Fish, and now this Bubblicious. It's it's probably just an age thing, man. It honestly probably is just because the the target demographic on on Reddit is the same target demographic for the drink. So uh, for the brand. 
I just posted that one. <laughs> I haven't seen that G Fuel before. Um, but I thought that one fucking it's hype sauce. Hype just sauce, hype sauce? <laughs> bro. No, thank you. <laughs> I will not be taking that. But there's there's a dollar store. I've not seen that one at the dollar store either, or any G Fuel ever. That's only been at Walmart, and it's like two dollars on the on the dot. So. Uh, they but, just uh, they they just started stocking some G fuel at, at the pig, and I, of course I didn't buy any because I was like, "What the fuck? This is not supposed to be here." <laughs> you got to try one that I have not tried. I would say that I actually told the the same guy this at work, but I have done the spiral one, and that was pretty trash. The Tetris one is okay. The Pac Man one is probably pretty good. The Sonic one is really really good, and the PewDiePie one is like. That's an acquired like you either like it or you don't <laughs> like it's lingonberry. It's it's a different it's something that we don't have often. Yeah. And yeah. it's like if you like it, then it's good. It's tart as shit. Uh, so if you like tart things, you might like that. But I can't remember like what else I've tried. From you that. did the Mega Man like last week. Or the I week did before. the Mega Man. Yeah, that's true. I forgot the Mega Man. I said that earlier. The, the Mega Man one was pretty all right. But other than that, I can't remember. I don't know. Try it if you want. It's like it's not bad. It's it definitely tastes cheap though. <laughs> um, so you tried that Mountain Dew, the Baja Blast. Yes, yes. So this is actually not the first time I've tried this drink. Um, I don't know. I I guess I never mentioned it because uh, I didn't I didn't have my thoughts fully formed at the time. But over the summer, I, I bought a case of these bitches, bro. Uh, I, I got it on Amazon and it was like decently priced because these are supposed to be limited time only. Like they're they're supposed to just come out around the same time that a regular Baja Blast makes it into the stores. But I was at a gas station before work today, uh, in desperate need of of some sort of caffeine because I didn't bring anything from home because I was a dumbass. And you know, I saw this and I saw one other one that I haven't tried yet, but I will uh, talk about next week. It's one we've talked about before, so that's a you know, quick some quick uh, foreshadowing, uh, but yeah, this is the Mountain Dew Baja Blast Energy. It's got 180 milligrams of caffeine. It's got a bunch of other shit in there. It's immune support. I don't know what the fuck they put in there to support my immune system. Like, is it vitamin C? I don't know. I don't really care. I because I'm trying to die young. Uh, it's got mental boost. What, what are they putting? Mental like boost. fucking uh, modafinil in here, man. I don't know, but whatever it is. I don't think it really does anything anyway. The flavor of this drink is not 100% accurate to Baja Blast. And that's the first thing I want to say about it. It's not even 100% accurate to the Baja Blast Zero Sugar, which I was hoping it would, you know, I was always hoping it would kind of taste like that. But the relationship between the Baja Blast energy to Baja Blast is kind of the same, I think, as the relationship to the Code Red energy to Code Red that we had like a year ago or whatever. Um, it's, it's the body is too light, you know, like there's not, it, it needs, it needs more like when I, when I see Baja blast and 180 milligrams of caffeine, I want to be like alert at work, but I also want to get yeah. hit in the fucking mouth with the flavor of Baja blast. Like that is why I'm here. Uh, it doesn't really do that. It's, it's it's just so light like the like the body is too light man and um it's a good flavor i like it it's got like that whole like tropical lime vibe going on but it's it's just it 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 tastes like 
somebody other than Mountain Dew made it, you know, like somebody trying to approximate the Mountain Dew Baja Blast formula, which is like, uh, I, I almost feel like if somebody could recreate, if somebody could recreate the, uh, the formula of Baja Blast, uh, it would basically be like somebody created or they discovered or they, you know, whatever, figured out the anti-life equation from DC Comics which is like basically what will let you like control everybody forever. Mm -hmm. Like if you could figure out how to recreate Baja Blast and like, dude, like all, all like, you know, uh, uh, perform a, a low wage job for you. Like, sure, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, overall, I just think this drink doesn't get there. And maybe my expectations were too high, which is, you know, probably another part of why I waited to to take some time off it and come back to it. Um, this is like a solid seven out of ten drink. I think if you're wanting something that's like kind of close to Baja Blast and is decent, and you get like the it's a pretty nice looking can. Like I love like the Mountain Dew Lion that they put on their energy drinks or whatever, like the Origami Lion or something. Um, but is it something that you should specifically seek out or like? you know, jump to when you see it on the shelves? Like, nah, not really. Yeah, I, uh, I, I was just kind of okay with it. I never really, um, I never really loved it. I was, you know, something for the energy drink and the, and the five, the malt beverage. I was expecting, uh, you know, a fuller body, you know, a, a fuller body and, you know, maybe a little extra something like if they wanted to do like some of those malt beverages, like the Baja plus uh, another flavor. I think that those were the best, the pineapple Baja and I think the fruit punch Baja. I'm not sure if that was the fruit punch Baja or not, but there was another. I think it was mango. Both of those were really good. Mm -hmm. um, I think the malt beverage I liked a lot more than the energy drink. I'm sure that it's different people making them, uh, but the energy drink. And I think I tried like another of the energy drinks and I just was not very impressed with it. And I'm just like, eh, I don't really, I don't really care. It's, it's, I had it a couple times and I never really like seeked it out anymore after. Um, yeah, I kind of agree with it. I, I wish that it delivered a little bit better, but overall, like the, the taste is still pretty good, but it's lacking in a way. I finished a show recently. Uh, this is a show called Deadwood, and I actually have not technically finished finished it because the show ran for three seasons from 2004 to 2006, over about 36 episodes. Uh, but just a couple of years ago, there was also a Deadwood movie they made, and I feel like I haven't I haven't actually finished it until I watched the movie, which is also the only reason I'm even uh talking about it right now is because this is uh the uh the the big marker i use now to uh you know figure out the quality of a tv show and i think i've mentioned this before but uh i'll, I'll bring it up again um uh, when i finish a show i ask myself 
do I want to rewatch this show? Because I think the best shows are ones that once you finish it, you're kind of like, oh, damn, there's so much stuff that happened like in the later seasons that I want to go back and, you know, watch the earlier seasons and figure out if there was like some foreshadowing or, you know, just anything that might be relevant later because it adds another layer to the show. Uh, that's been my experience, at least with with every show that I've really enjoyed. Uh, as I mentioned, when uh, I was talking about uh, Six Feet Under, when I finished that, I said, eh. I don't need to watch that again. I'm good. I still have no desire to rewatch all of Six Feet Under. I'm I'm content leaving that show alone. Uh, Deadwood, you know, at first, I thought I wouldn't want to rewatch it. But then, we, uh, we get deep in the show, man. Uh, this was either late second season or early third season. Uh, but a certain a certain guy popped up that kind of made me pay a little bit more uh, a little bit closer attention to the show, and uh, they brought our guy in the show, bro. They brought motherfucking L to the OG in no the show, way! Cox, with the special guest recurring appearance as Jack Langrish Langrish. I don't know, but as soon as I heard his voice. I looked up and I'm like, "That's Brian motherfucking Cox. That's Logan motherfucking Roy." Actually, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't recognize him as Brian Cox. My first thought is Logan Roy, and then I'm kind of like, "Okay, now I have to pay attention to this show." Uh, so, <laughs> I'm convinced that I just was not watching closely enough for the first couple of seasons because once Brian Cox showed up and I actually started paying attention to the show, I'm like, "This is a pretty fucking compelling story." God damn. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then. You know, I go on Wikipedia to like make sure that it's actually him, and because he doesn't look, you know, he this is a this is a like a, a twenty years younger Brian Cox, basically. So he fifteen to twenty years younger. So he doesn't. Uh, he, he you can you can see it, and uh, it looks like him, but you still got to check to be a hundred percent sure. And then I realized this shit is actually based on like a true story, or at least you know relatively based on a true story. It's it's about uh, it's. You know, the series, it says on Wikipedia, the series is set in the 1870s in Deadwood, South Dakota. I didn't even know Deadwood was a real place when I started watching this. Uh, before and after the area's annexation by the Dakota Territory and charts Deadwood's growth from camp to town. So uh, that kind of made me be like, yeah, no, I, I, I really do uh, need to rewatch this show. And, you know, the cast... Uh, I think I, I either said this on the show or just over a message. Uh, Timothy Oliphant, 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 uh, he's the lead. And I just have no interest in like anything that guy's ever done. Um, I, I like he's not even bad. He's not a bad actor. I don't <laughs> bad actor. Um, I don't think, you know, he's untalented or anything. Um, I just I just don't care about him. Like he's always one of those guys that's just kind of there to me whenever he's there. Uh, so he didn't really impress me too much, but, uh, Ian McShane, I don't even know what else this guy has been in. Uh, he plays Al Swearingen. And again, that's a real guy who actually existed and he looks fucking a lot like him, at least from the blurry black and white photographs that we have. Um, he was amazing in this show, man. He's by far just blowing everybody except for maybe Elder the OG, uh, out of the fucking water. And I don't know what 
awards he got. Uh, he won the 2005 Golden Globe Award for Best Actor, and he was nominated at the 2005 Emmys. This dude should have won some more for that. He is putting a lot of nuance into a character that is revealed as the show goes on to be more complex than he seems. And it's one of those ones where I just really cannot imagine anybody else in this role. So uh, big respect to Ian McShane for this show. He really brought it to life for me. Um, you know, there's some other historical characters that they portray. Uh, Wyatt Earp is in here. Uh, George Hurst, apparently a real guy. I didn't know that. But uh, he was the father of William Randolph Hearst, who, you know, I'm sure people know about as the the you know newspaper guy um they had a calamity jane in here who i didn't even that's another person who like i've they never call her calamity jane in the show i don't think um but that's another person i was aware of that uh, i didn't know uh maybe if they had called her calamity jane at some point if and if i would have been paying better attention i would have started to pick up on the fact that this is uh at least you know a, a semi-true story um, but you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of different people in here. Uh, there's one, uh, you know, our favorite, uh, black side character guy, he goes by the name of nigger general and it, how do you beat that? You know, like that's amazing. Uh, so Deadwood, I'm, I'm putting this after first watch, I think it's in that same tier as boardwalk as Bashemi show where this is really great television. I don't think it, it, it has the juice to really push itself up into like that first tier of tv but after i watch the movie and after i rewatch the whole show maybe my opinion will change you know this definitely has some room for growth for me so uh i'm excited i'm i'm excited to finish this up and uh you know once i i finish that rewatch i will come back with another deadwood review uh, but for now i'm going to say deadwood hbo four out of five let's leave it at that now there's another show that i am currently watching as well and i'm not done with it yet i'm, I'm about halfway through it i think so i'm not giving a full review here um, but this is a show i've actually tried to watch like three times and i just i just you know first couple times I'm just like bro i don't i don't give a fuck i don't care what's going on this is stupid i, I have better things to do with my time um this is a show called john adams uh, it's a mini series from 2008 that also ran on HBO. It's got seven episodes, so yeah, I'm three through right now. Uh, they run through a lot of time, at least in these first three episodes. Uh, I'm trying not to look below this on Wikipedia, even though you know, like it's a historical show, like there's no spoilers or anything really. Uh, but part one, Join or Die, uh, goes through the years 1770 to 1774. Uh, part two, Independence, goes through 1774 to 1776. Uh, part three, Don't Tread on Me, is 1777 to 1781. So you really don't get... It's it's not like one linear story as much as it's these different uh, pieces of John Adams' life throughout the Revolutionary period. And um, Paul Giamatti is playing the lead here. Um, he is John Adams, and he's, he does a good job with the role. Um, everybody else, I don't think I, I really, you know, I've seen some of these names, but I don't, I don't really care enough to, to go into them yet, I guess in part because I'm only three episodes in, um, but 
I I don't know if I appreciate the show yet, man. And I'm going to tell you why. This is I had the same thought in, in a slightly different way that I got when I was watching that straight out of Compton movie, like a couple uh, or like last decade where, um, you know, Ice Cube has had like, you know, some funding involved in the movie. And it's a movie about his life where I'm like, what am I really getting here? Like there's there's some uh, what's the fucking word for that? Not like conflicting interests or whatever. Conflicts of interest. Yeah. Conflict um, of interest. I'm, I, you know, when I watch straight out of Compton, there's there's no way I'm getting the, the true story here. If a guy who, you know, is essentially the central character of the movie is still alive and funding that movie. <laughs> like, there's, <laughs> what? there's no way you're going to get like an honest picture here. And. I kind of feel the same way about this John Adams show, man, where I'm like, this is uh, this is an American show about the founding of America. Like we're going to whoever is going to write this, who let me let me make sure uh, is written by a guy named David McCullough McCullough. I don't know, whatever, uh, who was okay, born in Pittsburgh and died in Massachusetts. Uh, so this is an American guy. So. This guy has, you know, an interest in in writing the story a certain way. I feel like you can't make a show. You can write like nonfiction books about it, sure. And so the sh- the the uh, the show is based on his book. So I don't know. Uh, directed by Tom Hooper, who's a British Australian director. Okay, so there's something, you know, there's something that gets in the mix there. But either way, I feel like America has to be like gone before we can make like honest TV about the founding of America. So it's it's just a little weird watching it, knowing that it, you know, is made for an American audience based on a book written by an American guy. Like, you know, there's stories we want to tell ourselves about, you know, what was going on uh, during the founding of that country. And I, especially when you get actors involved, it's going to be portrayed a certain way. And I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't think you can, I, I at least think you can't play, you can't do an honest, uh, an honest depiction of it. What I will say. I have learned a couple of things. This, these are my impressions. Uh, only one of these, I guess, is is backed up by fact here. Um, George Washington. I didn't know that dude was six two. Did you know that? Yeah, he was pretty fucking tall, man. I think I remember, bro. I didn't know. I remember that he was six two. People always like uh, said that you know he was seen as a giant for his time, and then I looked up his height, and I'm like, yeah, that's that's probably about right. Like two hundred. 300 years ago yeah 62 was probably like six five, six six now <laughs> height inflation that happened thanks by fucking moron uh yeah no he was he was known as being a very uh not menacing but you know really really big guy big guy oh no and we give it back to you the people and he gave it to us as the first president how could he? he's so nice yeah yeah they they portray him as like this like kind of like a gentle giant kind of figure um there's a scene where uh john adams is talking about like uh, a bunch of like the massachusetts militia he's been killed by the british or something and nobody really gives a fuck but like george washington comes up to him after and is like bro that sucks like I just I just learned about Massachusetts. Bro, that shit sucks. And uh, you know, they have a little bit of a conversation for a while and uh uh Ben Franklin's also, you know, 
talking with John Adams at the time, and uh, Adams goes, "Oh, he's he's a natural leader," and uh, Ben Franklin says something like, "Yeah, well, you know, he's always the tallest person in the room, so he was always going to lead something." <laughs> yeah, that works. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty funny. Um, Thomas Jefferson probably seemed a little neurodivergent from the way they're portraying him. Um, he basically doesn't he doesn't talk much. He's always like looking kind of wide eyed at things. And um, he has like some sort of like stilted speech, I guess, where it's like a little overly formal at points when he does talk. And um, there's a scene where John Adams is kind of like talking about who should be like writing the Declaration of Independence or whatever. And he basically is is telling Thomas Jefferson that he should, you know, really be the one to uh, to get behind this. And um, it's just it's just an interesting scene. Like, that's that's all I can say is that, like, they, they have Thomas Jefferson being like kind of autistic here. <laughs> and I, um, I just I just didn't. Uh, I didn't I didn't know that, you know, that's how things went. I think I remember him being like uh, pretty nervous like uh pretty like not really i think like he was not really built for that position and he was just kind of faking it until he made it and i remember uh when i when i had seen the play hamilton that he was really not cast like that you know i know it's i know it's a musical and it's supposed to be you know that's that's really not in most musicals but yeah he was really posed to be a lot more confident than he really was like he was just kind of there. Thomas Jefferson was president, right? He was like yeah, he was like third, four, maybe maybe third. He was third. Yeah, yeah. he was third. I think it. I think that tells you all you need to know. Like he was one of the founding fathers, but like, bro, was a passenger. He was a bus rider. <laughs> he, was, he was Adams. He was John Adams's bus rider. Like John Adams got his got his presidency. Like you know, he was the best leader that wasn't a battle general. And then it was like, all right, well, I guess you put Jefferson third because who else is going to do it? And then there you go. Like, he's a bus rider. Yeah, I mean, uh, there is like a a little bit of a funny bit that happens kind of in that same scene. I don't know if it's true, if this actually happened. I've been trying to read about it and and figure it out. But I can't find anything on it where they're kind of going over that first draft of the declaration of independence. It's, it's Thomas Jefferson, John Adams and uh, Benjamin Franklin. And uh, the first, the very first draft apparently had something about like, uh, instead of like, we hold these truths to be self-evident or something. It was like, they were divine and sacred. And uh, Franklin kind of looks at it and he's like, "Eh, not going to fly. No, let's not do that. (laughs) Uh so that was that was a pretty funny bit. And I, again, I don't know if that actually happened, but it's it's fun in the show. And um, those are really the only the only thoughts I have about it this deep in. I I actually don't care about John Adams as a person, and I kind of I get why he's an interesting person to look at all this through, but he just does not seem like a very interesting subject to me. And I I know you can't do it through the eyes of George Washington because that's like sacred or something, but um, I don't know. I don't know who who you would really tell this story through. Um, oh, I did have one other thing. Uh, they're, they're still, again, and I don't know if this is necessarily true, but it's like, I feel like they're still making like the deep Southerner, like, or not, I, I guess deep South is sort of, uh, 
an anachronism to the story, but uh, the guy from, I'll say the guy from South Carolina is just like the biggest asshole in the story. And I feel like there's a lot of Southern stereotypes that they put into this one guy. Okay. That's it. That's my thoughts on, on John Adams. The Southern defender, the defender of the South, <laughs> of South Carolina, nonetheless, the shittiest Southern state. I mean, even Mississippi is better than South Carolina. Hot take. Well, there you go. You know, the drive-by, we've already decided that South Carolina, uh, it was South Carolina, right, that we called a testicle of a state? Yeah, probably. That makes sense. <laughs> I, I would agree with that. Uh, well, that's cool. I haven't I haven't uh, heard of Adams, but I did remember seeing that Deadwood show, and I want to say that the poster for the show that's on the HBO app or on the Max app is like, I thought it was a girls' show. Like it was like mostly women that were on the front of it, and I just really Deadwood. Yeah, there's probably huh. another show that sounds like Deadwood. That's probably well, what I'm thinking of. There are there are some prominent women in the show, and also I did not point out about Deadwood. Uh, another one of the reasons that I watched it is it has one of my favorite like side character actors in here, which is a uh, Jim Beaver. Uh, I don't know how much all he's been in. I really got to know him through uh through his role as Bobby Singer in Supernatural, which is just like one of the that that might actually be like my all time favorite side character. Like he's not you know a main character in any sense of the word, uh, but he's like that guy that's there when you need him to be there. And he has like a fuck ton of TV credits when I'm actually looking at it. Jesus Christ, um, he is in The Boys playing a guy named Robert Singer. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Dakota Bob too. That's I never put that together. That uh, in Deadwood, he, he's in Dakota, and so he's Dakota Bob. Huh. Uh, he's in uh, Watchmen in one episode of that, I guess. Um, this guy's been in like every show that's ever existed. Jesus, the worker. At least, yeah. At least since the year like nineteen ninety two, you know. <laughs> um. <laughs> But yeah, there's there's there are a lot of women in Deadwood. It's definitely not a woman show. Um, what's something I, I just read the uh, from its debut, Deadwood drew attention for its extensive profanity. The historical accuracy and dramatic intent of its use of obscenities has been the subject of controversy and discussion. The word "fuck" is said 43 times in the first hour of the show. It has been reported that the series had a total count of. 2,980 fucks and an average of 1.56 utterances of fuck permitted of footage. I know that they did not beat Succession. <laughs> even, you know, even without seeing the show, I know they didn't beat Succession. Succession. That might have taken it. I think Deadwood was up there, though. Like, whenever there were the fucks per minute, that Deadwood was, like, one of the top four that Succession would try to beat out. I, I just recall seeing some like of those charts that Succession had when they were beating that. So that's interesting. Uh, I think we got one more uh, one more topic before uh, before this piss break. Do you want to do a movie or do you or the music that you revisited or do you want to talk some bullshit headlines? Um, I can do bullshit headlines. I feel like I can I can squeeze music talking in uh, in the post break here. So this will be quick. I have I have six headlines here that I've seen over the over the course of the last week. None of these were enough where like I wanted to actually go read the article, but I thought it might be kind of fun to just talk about like these headlines and try and 
either comment on them or or figure out what what these articles are actually going to be about just based on the headlines so this first one was kind of one that i, I want to ask you whether or not you think this is true okay Okay. U.S. employees spend $51 a day when working full-time in an office, including $65 a week in breakfast. Uh, do you think that's true? Uh, $65 a week on breakfast and $51 a day? Like, does that yes. count gas? Yes, it's, it's, I'm, I'm guessing it's taking into account every, everything you do that costs money. But again, I didn't read the article, so I don't know. Uh, I would agree with that. You got You have your breakfast, you have your drinks, and you have your uh, your lunch. Some of the times of which it gets expensive. Uh, Sixty five dollars a day or a week in breakfast. That's a uh, man. People spend a lot of money on food. <laughs> I, I I am dirt fucking poor with how I spend money on food for work, and that's very on purpose. I eat spaghetti. Mm -hmm and chili and i made i recently made gumbo and i make quiche which is just baked eggs and i feel pretty good about all that like i don't i don't waste a lot of money but i bet other people do so i'm gonna say true okay we'll give that one a true i i kind of agree with that i feel like you know 65 dollars a week like people are spending more than 10 dollars a day on breakfast i mean i guess if you like if you're going to Starbucks and you're getting some sort of like specialty sugary coffee drink, that's that's already going to be like six or seven, right? If you're getting yeah. a, a large or whatever the fuck they call their larges, you get like a bagel with that. I can see that coming out to, you know, 11 a day maybe, but then where, there's still like $10 missing. I don't know where that's coming from. Uh, maybe you splurge. Yeah, yeah. But okay, we'll, we'll give that two trues on the uh, weekly drive-by fact check. Next one. Does wax paper have a purpose, or is it just taking up space? Do you think wax paper has a purpose? What the fuck is wax paper? I, I, is it like parchment paper? I don't know. Uh, I'm seeing that wax paper is. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's parchment paper. Uh, wax paper. I honestly think that this is just the same as parchment paper, but it. Well, so the difference. Okay, the, the difference between wax paper and parchment paper is that wax paper is typically coated with paraffin wax to make it moisture resistant, while parchment paper is typically coated in silicone to make it heat resistant. I think it's fucking worthless, I'll be honest. <laughs> so fucking stupid. I've got this I've got this thing to send though that I found uh, pretty pretty nice and interesting. We got Heb, Texas Tough, Wax Paper. <laughs> why, is, why does wax paper need to be Texas tough? Texas what does tough. that even mean? Moisture <laughs> resistant paper. Uh, yeah, uh. this shit's fucking stupid. I had, I used to have parchment paper, which I would I would put meat on when I was taking it out to my grill on my patio, and then uh, and then and then like one day it was just too windy, and I'm like, I fucking hate this shit. This is such a worthless <laughs> piece of shit. So then, like, if I decide that I want to put like meat on top of things i'll just use a whole like tray like a cookie tray and put mm -hmm. aluminum foil on the cookie tray so i don't have to clean the cookie tray uh yeah wax paper is fucking worthless true i guess i'm doing true again it is worthless <laughs> okay all right 
Uh, so we got. I'll, I'll I'll agree with that. I've never used wax paper before. I don't I don't have an actual use go. for it. So for, I'll say two part. trues. Yeah, no purpose. Next one. Uh, this is called brace yourself, boomers. Gen Z retires. LOL for the more enlightened. IJBOL. What do you think IJBOL is? I got an idea. I haven't looked it up, I promise. So LOL and then LOL is gone. I-J-B-O-L is it. I just burst out laughing? That's kind of, Yeah, that's what I think it is. I just busted out laughing. He just busted. I just busted. <laughs> just busted. Drove by and busted. Uh, I think it's burst out laughing, but that's fucking stupid. Why would you say... Why would you... It's two extra letters. I don't think that Gen Z is about doing extra shit for no reason. I'm gonna say I don't know. I feel like that's that is Gen Z is doing a bunch of extra useless shit for no reason. They they can't do actual shit that matters, but they can do the useless shit. I'm gonna say that this is false. This sounds like a fake headline, and I don't agree with that either. I you know what I I'm gonna vote present on this one. I don't know. Um, I've I've never seen. I-J-B-O-L. It's also like, you know, you can say lol. Can you say like ishball? Like, you know, you sound like you're in Hamas or something. Yeah. Um... <laughs> they're doing too good these days. <laughs> they're not, they're not ishballing very much. They're just, they're just being, they're just bursting because they're getting shot with missiles. Um, Are you going to get a gunshot but... for that? What the fuck? <laughs> That's the Hamas uh, people on the other end of that. I yeah, I'm just gonna vote present on this one. I don't know. Next one. Uh, what is the Leidenfrost effect or the Leidenfrost effect, and how can it help your cooking? So uh, what 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 is the the Leidenfrost effect or the Leidenfrost effect? What do you think that is? It's something that helps your cooking, apparently. Um. Uh. I'm gonna say that the Leidenfrost effect is uh. Um, not defrosting your food all the way. So, like, when you put it in the oven with a little bit of frost inside, that, like, extra water that that melts uh, ends up mixing with your meat, and that makes it, uh, it makes it a little bit more moist on the inside. And, and that's what the lead and frost effect does. I... Uh, that's a good attempt that's a very good attempt but why would you like there's so many other ways you could do that like why not why 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 have a whole effect for that and why not just like have people put water on the meat before um because you don't you don't add water to it like that water is that the water that you would add to it's like from the sink like the water that's that's inside your chicken breast already has like chicken breast particles in there so like it's more of like mixing a broth than like a water you know or basting it yeah i'm right okay we're gonna keep going uh <laughs> next one ben shapiro escalates feud with andrew tate did you know that they were fighting i didn't know this i didn't know there was a feud to escalate i would like for both of them to be in a in a hole Six feet on. Yeah, one for each of them. One for fucking each of them. Uh, bro, I 
you're 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 too online. You've lost context. <laughs> I the man I already care, said it. Man. Why the fuck would like? Why do people care about this shit? I don't like. It's so stupid. Yeah, I don't know. Ben either. Shapiro is Andrew Tate is probably backing Palestine. That's probably why. The the man himself is is all about Hamas, and then and then Ben Shapiro's like, no, they're bad, and 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 they are. It's, it's pretty fucked up, man. Like, but but like who? You know, it's like it's over there. It's like I'm not I'm not Israeli. I'm not, I'm not Palestinian either. It's, I hope they figure out their problems. You know, like maybe maybe they should sit down and talk about it and be like, you got you got to you got to get out of our land. I'm not specifying who said that, but they <laughs> probably, <yeah. laughs> probably both say that. Man gives the most cautious take on the conflict that you've ever heard. Uh, next up, what's the difference between pigeons and doves? Um, fucking nothing. Nothing. Actually, <laughs> nothing? one's white and one's gray. I think that's my best. That's my best guess. And pigeons pigeon have pit. some. They have pigeon. some like other colors on them too. They can have some some green, like a green band. Yeah, that's true. But the, but you know, you know like, like white birds. That I, it's just because the Christian church. It's whites and non-whites. Yeah, it, it is. The Christian church determined that whites were better, and the, and then that <laughs> propped up the society to <laughs> to say that doves were desired, and that pigeons were fucking little rat birds, and that's why people kick pigeons to to this day. It's Christianity's fault. That's why I go on r slash atheism to get my views on religion and uh I've, I've been an atheist to this day i also have not had sex to this day so it's, we're not doing so good in that department and i blame atheism for this yeah that took a lot of turns i'm sorry <laughs> i literally had to like completely go away from the mic just to make sure i didn't <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm over here eating Gardettos. Fucking <laughs> Get a shout out to Gardettos. I didn't buy the rye chips because I just wanted a little bit of variety. I'm like, you know, why do I want to just eat rye chips? Not, I mean, not today. You're right. You're right. I think that they they completely like. You miss the point if you're just buying the rye chips. Like the point is that there's just enough rye chips in a bag of Gardettos. Yeah, I agree with that. I like I like the little sticks too. Fucking let's see what we got. Doesn't even give you like the 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 fucking breakdown. You got your pretzels. You got the sticks. You got ride chips. And I, I guess that's it, man. There's only fucking three things on the cover. Man, maybe that's right. Maybe there are only three things. I guess they're like mini bread sticks. I just I'm just calling like them pretzels. Sticks. Yeah, I said pretzels. And there's okay. pretzel sticks. Yeah, that's that's what I meant. Yeah. Okay. I think it's time for a piss break where I'll show down the rest of the bag of Gardettos. I'm going to do one more thing before the break. I got one last thing to talk Uh-oh. about. Uh, no, this isn't very serious. I have had one drink during the show so far, and I'm going to start using my my one drink in the first half of the show as uh, a sign of the quality of the music that I will be reviewing in the second half of the show. And um, I don't know if, you know, it's not going to be like, I can only have a good drink if there's good music. Like, it's just that the, uh, you know, if it's like 
regular music, I'll have like a regular beer or something like that, you know? That's Uh, fair. so today I am having one of my favorite drinks. Uh, this is called a Vukere. Uh, it is usually made with three quarters of an ounce rye whiskey, three quarters of an ounce cognac. Uh, I saw it with uh, another three quarters of an ounce of sweet vermouth, but you can kind of play with that a little bit. And uh, a fifth of an ounce or, or somewhere between a fifth and a third of an ounce of, depending on how much vermouth you use, of a, normally people would use Benedictine. But I don't have that because I can't find it anywhere. So I used Montenegro. And I saw that that was a decent enough substitute, like kind of sweet, kind of herbal. Uh, went with that. And I just used Peshaw's bitters. I don't I don't put any Angostura in here. That's a goddamn good drink, man. That's like my favorite of like the classic cocktails. This is so looking really uh, good. it's so good, man. It's not too like stiff, but... It's it's got some good body to it, man. Unlike that Baja Blast. So that's all I was gonna say here. So, uh, you know, if you see me, if I'm talking about a drink like this, it means there's something good I listened to this week. I'm 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 thinking I know what it is, judging by the name. So I'm hoping uh, I'm I'm hoping it is. But there's this also this other album looks pretty good too. So I'm hoping that maybe both of them are pretty good. So maybe it is both. Maybe it is both. You'll know uh, when you listen to the next half of the weekly drive by. <laughs> This is going to be a uh, a week of of music reviewing. Then uh, I've listened to some established uh, artists this week, and it seems that you've already alluded to listening to some very good stuff. Uh, so, do you want to start with the old music that you had listened to that you re-listened to? <clears throat> I actually I kind of wanted to save that uh, for the back half here. Because, you know, the people, they want to know about the new music. They don't want to know about the fucking 2012 album I listened to. Um, That's true. I'll, uh, but... I could start it off. Okay, go for it. So, I listened to two albums this week. Uh, I was trying to get to a third, but uh, time just really made it really rough. Um, I listened to a an album that released in late September, the 29th by a, a guy yeah a, a guy a, a, a man a uh, <laughs> a popular 2010s electronic and I guess you call it plunderphonics but more like glitch electronic stuff um, this is one tricks point never and this person has put out uh, two very popular albums in uh, in replica from the 2011 work and 2013 r plus seven of which i had said at one point was probably my favorite one of my favorite electronic works like mainly electronic works ever um and then there was the 2015 work garden of delete uh which had gotten really high reviews and i thought was just kind of all right um 
He was also on Chuck Persons Echo Jams, which I did not know of. Um, that's actually he is Chuck funny. Persons, dog. Bro, he is Chuck Persons. Yeah, uh, that's pretty nuts. I did not know that. Because uh, I thought his name was fucking Daniel Lopatin, but no, he is it also is. Chuck Persons. Well, it is, yeah, but I thought that that was like his name. No, it was just his oh, name. Oh, I see, Chuck I see. Person. But that's yeah. how he got, uh, I think, his first acclaim is that he was he made fucking Echo Jams, and, and that was seen as like really awesome. And I think it is pretty good. I, I listen to it, albeit a lot later than One Otrix Point Never's stuff. Um, since then, not really a whole lot. I did listen to Age Of in 2018, and I thought it was not really that interesting. Um so he has put out a he's put out an album this year, and it is uh, called Again. And the album cover is actually one of my favorite album covers that he has done. Uh, we see that there are five or six, I think six, um, very old computer speakers, like noticeably from the '90s or 2000s, uh, that are like standby hard drive speaker or um, standby hard speakers uh, for your for your desktop. And they are clamped together with ratchet straps. They are strapped together noticeably very, 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 very tightly. Um, so much so that the uh, the speakers are getting destroyed, especially like on the left and the right side. So uh, I love this album cover. It's probably one of my favorites all year. It's very simple and it's very it, it evokes a lot of meaning. Um, so onto this uh, onto this album. Uh, we get a, so I'm going to say that I think one Otrix point never has in the past been very tried and true to what the current, I, I, I guess it's like this music is a reflection and I'm not trying to like pun on the replica yeah, album cover. <laughs> it's a fucking reflection of like what the electronic scene is going on and what's going on in the electric scene and then adding a new style to it. And I think that it's kind of the same it, it, it's that same idea uh, in, in Again and World Outside. It seems like there are just a lot of heavier stadium sounding electronics instead of the more finely and sharply uh, produced stuff from both Replica and R Plus 7, which was which both released in the early 2010s. Um, my favorite song on here is Crumville. Uh, my favorite song is Crumville because Crumville is a very is a very slow build up into um, not even into some something really bombastic, but into more of a uh, an emphatic release of uh, of just electronic stuff. So um, yeah, Crumville is kind of like it's kind of a, a switch up in that again and. Um, and world outsider both really fast and really uh really heavy and deep and you have a lot of different uh like higher frequency stuff that just gets kind of played around with in the in the foreground on world outside but crumville is like a it's is a total deconstruction of of everything that happens from world outside and it's like all the all the high frequency stuff that's getting played around with is like all at one point just shoved down into one solid uh you know, one solid background where there's a little bit of stuff in the foreground, but not a whole lot. Um, I would say that it takes about three and a half minutes for this to really feel really, really good. But that last minute is probably my peak on this album. I will say that one thing I didn't really care about for this being a 57 minute album 
is that there is a very large use of like very bland sounding piano and in a converse way where r plus seven has a lot of organ has a lot of like heavier organ style piano this one just doesn't feel like it's unique in any way it just feels like a very safe sounding uh symphonic piano that has some good features on on elsewhere um but i don't really care for it beyond that and it comes up a lot especially on uh uh again like more of the first part of it and i think the body trail but it's it's in here more than i would have liked um i think locari in midwest is actually what i ended up putting on the playlist because i think it just works shit no i actually put crumbville on um locari in midwest has a lot of piano too but i think that it works with the electron it's it supplements a duo where the electronic is sounding like a piano, but it slowly stops sounding like a piano. And um, yeah, that's one that, you know, for being a four and a half minute song, I think that one just works, especially near the end of having a little bit of vocal distortion. I will say that I, in in listening to this album where I was taking my notes, uh, I said that there are, there is a little bit of vaporwave aspect um, from those earlier from those earlier works like Echo Jams and stuff that he had done before. Um, I think that this is probably his most vapor sounding. It, it only took him like, you know, 13 more years to do something that sounded like that. But yeah, he's just like, okay, well, I'm going to go back to that. And I'm like, all right, all right, cool. Um, not a whole lot else to say about this album other than uh, I don't think, and this is in comparison to Replica and R Plus 7, I don't think that there are a lot of crazy great payoffs i think that most of the most of the really loud sounding stuff is more put in there at seemingly random points than uh than than something that is built up on and delivered you know i think that you know and i don't think that's to say that r plus seven wasn't random because i think it was in a lot of areas but it felt like it was a little bit more uh eloquent and also sophisticated in how it how it was arranged you know it wasn't truly random it was like seemingly random whereas this one does feel like truly random I've, I've listened to this album twice and i feel like i'm still missing something and i don't think i've felt that way about about um one oh tricks before maybe like once before on the on the 2018 album where i'm just like i i don't think i'm getting it like i'm kind of similarly in that i i don't feel that i'm getting it um other songs that I really liked were Nightmare Paint, Memories of Music, and probably Ubiquity Road. And I would say that On an Axis was, was good too, but it was just really, really slow and, and more big and atmospheric in the background rather than like, you know, solidly, continuously delivering electronic work. Um, other aspects that I liked about this album... Sorry, no, that was Ubiquity Road. Ubiquity Road was the back, like solid background, like just nothing happening. But it it felt a little bit better than I would have otherwise heard from like other artists. On an Axis is really uh, there are some like a little bit of noisy rock aspects in here too. On an Axis is one, and I think Plastic Antique both have like kind of like riffs that you're just like, whoa, this is kind of like in here. Um, but overall, like this is okay. Like, this is a pretty light three out of five. I think uh, 
I was looking for a, something a little bit more that had more unique aspects, but this really does just feel like it's a little bit more of the same with a couple new instruments thrown in, and I don't think the arrangements are really crazy good. So I'm going to give this a three, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of new one trick, so I'm like, I gave it a chance. Yeah, yeah, no, I I track it pretty much. I mean, I haven't listened to this, but everything you're saying about it makes a lot of sense, um, except for one thing. Um, do you know why you liked Track Four Crumbville so much? What? Why? Did you Did you look in the credits? Fuck, bro. Did I? We I got not... We got our guy Lee Ronaldo on the guest feature on guitar on that track, as well as uh, Track Three World Outside. Uh, and tracks 10 and 11 memories of music and on an axis uh as soon as i like expanded the credits on there and i'm like what the fuck they got motherfucking lee ronaldo on this album like yeah i kind of have to listen to it at this point um so it makes sense that that would be the best song on the album because he's objectively a talented artist there's a did yeah no i'm sorry go ahead Oh, I was going to say, uh, yeah, Jim O'Rourke is on here. Juju is on here. The voice for Juju, I could definitely tell, uh, especially in Locari and Midwest. I was like, I feel like I've heard that before. And then uh, there's also Love Lies Crushing. Uh, I've, I've listened to that band uh, a couple times. That was like one of the the smaller, older shoegaze uh, stuff that when I listen to Love Lies Crushing, I'm just like, what the fuck am I listening to? It's like a noise <laughs> of something. Uh, you've definitely seen that Blow Eyelash Wish album cover. Um, yeah. That I've, is a common one. I've listened to that one, and I... I've So you said you've listened to Love Lies Crushing a, a few times. I've listened once, and it was the one listen I gave to Blow Eyelash Wish, and I just didn't get it. I, I need to go back to it, because I feel like there's something there that, like... It's, it has to have depth to it. And because I really want to get to the follow-up Zuvetan for being more ambient even though it's fucking 76 minutes long um i feel like that one's would be something that appeals to me uh, but yeah some interesting features on there i do uh like captain cloud's review here which is right next to uh nomad ensemble's name right now if you have it sorted by date like a rational person uh it starts off with a quote from uh opn that says what's more interesting for me is seeing how ai fails when it fails, which it does a lot right now, it creates these insinuated arrangements that don't sound anything like any music I've ever heard. It's so broken that I can only compare it to like the most extreme music I've ever heard in my life. And so I guess there's a lot of work he did uh, using AI to generate some of the sounds on this album, which might feel, like explain why it feels like it's missing something. Um, and, you know, I obviously I can't, saying you know yes or no to this but do you think that the use of ai like from your listen to it knowing that some of this was ai generated in some way shape or form does that change any of your thoughts about it or does it explain anything else about it um it definitely doesn't change my thoughts on on anything about the album like i i think that it's generally just kind of all right and i don't know you know, I think I think it's just AI made some noises that don't exist, and there's plenty of really good electronic artists, such as One Oak Point Never, that can make a lot of electronic sounds that I would have not otherwise known existed. So, I don't really think it does change a lot. Now, if you 
we're going to have AI generate like an arrangement of a song, it would probably just make something very radio friendly and pop and pop, you know, poppy and chorus verse chorus verse chorus uh, or something like that. Now, if, if you're going to have AI make like a uh, make a sequence for like a like a, a math rock album, I would be interested to hear it, but I bet it fucking sucks. Like I bet it just sucks dick. Like it's you're not gonna you're not gonna make a a really good rhythm of math rock with AI right now. And, and yeah, until would, I hear it, I, I I'll stick by that. It would it would feel like too uh almost ironically enough because you know the term math rock was coined because it uh the music was supposed to have been sounding like it was like kind of made through an AI type thing, like it was so calculated. Um, ironically enough, if, if an AI did make a math rock song, it it would just sound too calculated. I feel like it, it would be too, uh, I don't know, like too too focused on, you know, just like raw, concise rhythm, and that would that would not sound good. Um, uh, so I I searched the quote that this person left. Uh, that Captain Cloud left to try and find a little bit more context from it. And it comes from an interview that uh, OPN did with the New Yorker. So I, I kind of got to give actually a downvote on, on this, on this review now, just for somebody reading the New Yorker. Yeah. Um, but it says open AI's jukebox, which the company describes as a neural net that generates music is credited on two tracks on again, Lopatin also uses Riffusion, which converts a text prompt into an image and then translates that image into sound on one song. And Adobe Enhanced Speech, an AI tool that cleans up low-quality audio on two others. Uh, terrible, terrible, terrible writing here because it doesn't actually say which songs he uses those on. Um, and I'm, I'm going to X out of this article right there because of that. But it's out there. <laughs> that's, that's sad I hope I don't listen to it <laughs> okay I'm I'm good with that eh, I, I, I wish this is probably like top 5 album cover of the year not probably it definitely is like I, I dig that shit it's basic it has no text and it's just an image and I bet they fucking actually crunched up some really old computer speakers cause you could just keep you could just keep like pumping that fucking ratchet and it's just going to keep getting tighter. And that plastic, you know, that is probably Nokia tier plastic of thickness and shit, but you could really crunch some ratchets and I bet they did that. that would be well, fun. so it also it also said in the article that it was actually like it was inspired by some other piece that he saw um that was like some some kind of like pieces of metal fused together um and he contacted the artist that had had made that and you know talked about how he had uh, been at like a thrift store and and just saw the section of like old computer parts that nobody ever actually buys and just saw all these like old computer speakers and it was like and someone had like taped them up all nicely and stuff and he was like yeah let's let's do that i like that <laughs> yeah this is decent i like it uh, yeah. your album covers that you picked this week uh, not nearly as good. That's correct. You're you're absolutely correct on that. No, this is this is a this uh this again artwork is probably an 
I mean, you know, top five artworks of the year. This is really like engaging and, and, you know, for as simple as it is, there's so much detail in it. Like, I love yeah. to see that. Uh, I'm going to start off with uh, my inspiration for my name this week, where my name on Zoom is uh, Hell Mode is Other People. Um, shout out to anybody who gets that reference. It should be a lot of you. I hope it's a lot of you. So then I know I'm, I'm not making a show for dummies. Uh, so this is Hell Mode by Jeff Rosenstock, which you reviewed very favorably um, about a month ago, maybe. Um, I don't know exactly how soon, but uh, you gave this one a four out of five. So I had said, hey, this is genres that I normally like. Um, it's a quick album at 40 minutes. Uh, I was going to get to it. And you know what, fucker? I finally got to it. I finally listened to one of the things that I said I was going to listen to, which does not happen too much. So I actually don't have a lot to say about this album. Bro. Um, Look, this is, I, I want to say this is the first full, like, Jeff Rosenstock project that I've actually listened to. I, I might have listened to, like, Post at one point. I don't, I don't exactly even remember anymore. I, it, it might just be that I've seen his artwork on so many different, like, lists. And I think he contributed so much to, like, the modern style of a lot of indie rock artwork. Um Maybe he didn't even start it. I don't know. I, I don't know the history behind it. So, I mean, this guy is just, he's he's been in, you know, a bunch of different fucking bands. Like he talked about uh, Bomb the Music Industry, incredibly influential on, you know, the the modern indie, the indie scene. Um, and he's been doing his, his solo project, or not solo project, but work under his name, I guess, uh, for about eight years now. And, um, Look, I mean, this is this is solid overall. I thought stylistically, I, I didn't get like any, like I didn't find it very noteworthy. I think this is a guy who's been working for a while operating in the lane that he's, from at least the genre tags that I see on his albums, he, he's been in for about a decade now, uh, not even counting the work he did with Bomb the Music Industry uh, or, or front, front manning that band. Um so I think you know you're a listener's enjoyment of this album is is pretty solidly uh, based on how they feel about the whole you know relatively mellow indie rock at least compared to you know some more intense stuff like there's definitely some breezier sections throughout the album um, that kind of dips into pop punk and has you know these his his lyrics are definitely like very smart and very snarky and uh, satirical. And, you know, I found myself listening to the lyrics more than a lot of the music. And I think especially, you know, my first thought is like a, a band like Pup has like basically stolen, you know, this guy's swag. Like yeah. <laughs> it's 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 exactly the same shit, but not done as good. Um, but actually, you know, I mean. I just felt like musically, I just wasn't I wasn't very interested in what was happening. Um, I didn't I didn't feel like I was ever really pulled into the song um i did like doubt that's the one that like stuck with me on first listen um but even then that that might be the song or there was maybe another song where like for the first three minutes i was really enjoying it but then it's it it switches like the, the beat switches a little bit and it goes into like kind of a generic pop punk thing and i was just like man that was a good song why'd you do that now it's just like a a, a, a solid song um so you know, I'm not I'm not mad at Hell Mode. 
uh, I think, like I said, this is a guy who has been in the game for a while and has been doing stuff that people have really liked. And if people are still liking this one, that's great. Uh, it's just, you know, it's not quite my tempo. So I'm going to give Jeff Rosenstock hell mode. This is a three out of five for me. I think you're right about doubt. It, it does start off better. And then they did not, he did not have to beat switch that. I, I, I think that was my biggest complaint with that song too. Um, but that song is sandwiched between two other good songs. Liked You Better was pretty great, and uh, Future is Dumb is pretty awesome, too. Uh, I think I remember liking Future is Dumb, yeah. Future is Dumb was a grower for me. Like, the first three times I listened to it, I'm like, eh, this is, like, all right. But then it's like, no, this is a really good song. Uh, December 3rd. I'm going to go see him live. Yeah, that'd be a fun show. Yeah, it'd be a fucking awesome show. That's why I'm going to go see it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but downside, it's a Sunday. Bro is performing on a Sunday. What the fuck? Why? You know what? You just reminded me though, um one one of the few things I'll say about my my Saturday night uh when I was coming home, I noticed this like long line outside of a local bar and you know, I got a little in me, so I asked some dude in line, I'm like, "Hey man, like what what is everybody in line here for? Like this is a long ass line just to get in this bar." And he says, "To get drunk." Yes. That's like, a good ass reason, and I just keep walking. <laughs> my man, my man. This is at one forty a.m. already, though. Jesus <laughs> Christ! I mean, do, do bars? Maybe some bars close at one. I don't know, or one thirty. That's pretty messed up. That's a long line. Yeah, for a bar. yeah. Some bars probably do close earlier than that in that area. Um, but that was just you just reminded me of that. I thought it was funny. That's funny. Uh. I've got my other album, the one that I had said that I would get to because I fucking forgot last week and it was too late. Also, yeah, it was like three days and I just forgot and like whatever. Uh, this album cover sucks dick. I was saying over the music break that uh, that that Sufjan Stevens <laughs> jizzed all over the album in pink and it's a javelin <laughs> on it. He jizzed on a bunch of little snippet magazine cutouts that he had put together and it says javelin. Um, this is the, the Souf, the, the man that I don't need to introduce. I have listened to a lot of his albums and the last one that I have rated reflections doesn't even like really count. That was like a prelude to javelin. And I think I did listen to beginner's mind, but I never actually rated it because I think I needed to listen to it more. Um, so I had I had said, and my ratings do not reflect this, that I think his last good album or decent work was Planetarium. Now I think that my two point five is probably like point five too low, <laughs> but the album before that, Carrie and Lowell, is one of my favorite albums of 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 all time. I might as well say it, yeah, of all time. Uh, and then the one that preludes that is Age of Ads, which is overrated as fuck, and it is not a four, it is a three, it is it is a solid three, it is far too electronic, and it is, vocally, it is just not there. You listen to Michigan because you want those, those light vocals, those light banjo, you listen to Illinois because you want that fucking amazing vocals and all the cool-ass instrumentation. You listen to Seven Swans because you want a little bit of cool guitar and a lot of cool vocals. You listen to Age of Ads because you just want some fucking stupid-ass electronic bleeping and blooping and all of this sort of shit. 
And that's just not why you listen to Sufi, in my opinion. And and uh, we got we got Javelin this year, and uh, I know that this is one of your biggest pet peeves, but uh, oh no, uh, bro, he just fucking mixed Carrie and Lowell and Age of Ads together, and, and this <laughs> is what we got. This is literally what we got, and it is so goddamn frustrating for me. Because I don't even, I barely like Cage of Ads, and Carrie Lowell is absolutely amazing. And here we go. He has mixed those two together. And I'm just like, it, it is it is frustrating because there are songs such as Will Anybody Ever Love Me, Goodbye, Well, No, uh, Will Anybody Ever Love Me, Everything That Rises, and I Think So You Are Tired. Um, those songs are both, are just both very, very cool, Corey and Lowell. Or Carrie. Poor Carrie and Lowell. Corey and Lowell. Right. <laughs> Kills me. Uh, gunshot, gunshot, gunshot. Uh, but they have those songs that are just very core of, for that album. And you have other you have other songs such as Running Start. And uh, so Running Start is... Running Start is like... 70% Carrie and Lowell and, and 30% Age of Ads where you have some of the, the really high um, string work in the background that mixes with a little bit of electronic down the line. Um, My Red Little Fox is like a 50-50 song. Uh, that actually did end up being one of my favorite songs for how much stringed instrument and how much high-pitched, um, the higher-pitched singing that he was known to do on Carrie and Lowell. Um, but it does blend a little bit too far into Age of Ad stuff later on, where you have a lot more, I guess you call it percussion. It's light percussion. It's kind of like in the same uh, realm as a xylophone. A xylophone is still percussion. Um, but you just have a little, just blending too far into the electronic stuff that I never cared for. I thought that he was really, really good when he sticks to the stringed instruments and he sticks to his vocals. That stuff is is excellent it's it's what he's known for being um i think the themes later on as this album go on from javelin to shit talk and there's a world um are excellent i think that he is really on top of his work through a lot of this stuff um it's just the times such as like in genuflecting ghost that um you know that song starts off like it could have been ripped directly out of carrie and lowell but it's kind of just blends into uh like really weird chorus stuff um with like background female it's like there's another person there i'm sure if i look in the credits that there's yeah there could be another person that's on five um shit there is no i don't believe that that's there's a false maybe it's adrienne mary brown that's uh that's leading in on five but i think she does a good job for like most of these other songs my red little fox she's an outstanding um, will anybody ever love me? She's very good. Everything that rises, she's very, very good. Um, but on Genuflecting Ghost, I wish this was just a solo. I wish this was just Sufjan uh, going off on this song. But uh, as much as as much as someone like Sufjan Stevens can 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 so what go off, um, yeah, in his own way. But I uh, <laughs> I got you. <laughs> I think um, I think I need to listen to this more. I think I've listened to this four to six times. And I would have liked to listen to this more. Um, but Goodbye Evergreen as an opener song 
I used to like that as my favorite, but it, now it's I can as I've listened to this more intuitively, I think that it's it's really in the middle of the pack, really really crunched in. But this is also a really light album. This is uh this is forty two minutes, but it feels like a thirty four minute like thir- like a low thirty minute album. Um, but shit talk is also really fucking long, and 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 I and I get that, but um. If I'm going to be forced to give this a rating right now, I'm probably sticking at a 3.5. I think that it is probably not going to be a 3.5 in like a week, but this is easily his most mature work since Carrie and Lowell. Um, it's easily his most acoustic work since Carrie and Lowell, which is also why it's the best. Uh, and I and I am totally fine with with saying that. Like I think that he is. On this album, he has played into his uh, into his strengths a lot more than than what he has done in the last fucking seven years. Uh, so so that's a win. We like someone recognizing their their strengths. Um, I'm probably gonna talk about this album over the next two weeks, like a little bit more because I think that this is definitely a little bit of a grower, as Carrie and Lowell was. I think it took me probably like a month or two to say that it was a five. And I don't think that this is a five, but this is like, this is a really good album. And I think I need to listen to this a little bit more, um, especially on the back half, like after So You Are Tired. I need to listen to that a lot more because I just haven't been able to listen to it a whole lot. But this is a really, really like mature work. I think uh, the, the the core strengths are songs three to seven, um, which also coincidentally are uh, is when adrian mary brown is on there um yeah most of the other songs are just kind of all right and um i i don't know i'm really i'm really thinking that this is like already very close to being a four uh even stuff on a running start where it starts off really acoustic plus uh genuflecting ghost i feel like i'm remembering i was remembering them a little bit less and uh than i am now but those that's some of his best acoustic work on this album. Um, Javelin, the song alone, is probably some of the best vocals, but also some of the not as delivered uh, instrumentals on the whole album. And I'd say I just need to listen to Shit Talk and There's a World a little bit more closely to, to give a true opinion. But I'm giving this a 3.5 for now. Uh, but this this shit's pretty good. This is this is like a pretty good, pretty pretty good out of ten, out of five, out of out of whatever arbitrary base five number you want to use in your in your number numbering system. If you rate shit out of fifteen, you you deserve to get fucked by the chats. Get fucked. <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs> yeah, there it is. I uh, I think that this is worth a listen. It, it's this is forty two minutes. This is not this is not a slog to get through. You, 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 fucking listen to it. Just just do it. 42 is, is that's that's a good number I'm, I'm i might get to this i just feel like i have not been you know i don't even have anything to comment about your comments on it because i just i've never really been into sufyan on that level um but I've, i haven't listened to like most of his stuff anyway and then i wanted to like you know do what i'm doing and go back to the beginning at first but bro this, this dude's first album's like 70 minutes long like get the fuck out of here that's what are you doing in 2000 up, yeah. that deserves to be 70 <laughs> minutes long um 
it's kind of like crazy the discrepancy between enjoy your rabbit from 2001 uh, which has like 3,000 ratings at a 2.88, and then Michigan in 2003, which has like 13,000 ratings at a 3.82. Like, why why didn't anybody go back and listen to Enjoy Your Rabbit? Uh, I will say this, and I and I am sticking to this until I am in the ground. Uh, most artists would not have recorded Enjoy Your Rabbit. That, <laughs> that is a that is a work that most people would not have recorded and then distributed um that's definitely or no i was thinking of a sun honestly both of them man both of those two albums are not worth like cutting up recording and releasing and i i will also but i also agree that two years apart like that is that is that is a big i i do honestly think that the album album art is to credit for that because the michigan album art is fucking awesome like that's it the cream background bro i love a cream background you can cut that you can fucking <laughs> flip down give a shit that is a great background and that's a great michigan font you got beer on there you got a nice mistletoe you got fish you got a nice cursive font i mean that's that's it right there that's that's a great album cover uh even even seven swans is really good for being like that's a good I don't even know what is it. What is that background name? Name that background color. That's that's a beige. But bro calls his album Seven Swans and then puts one swan on the artwork. Come on, the liar, Stupid <laughs> the liar. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I think that I'm gonna stick to that. Like most people would not like. Also, the Enjoy Your Rabbit album cover. That shit's fucking trash. That's so bad. Like the 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 two rabbits in the water. That one's One's yellow and one's white. They're just looking at each other. And it's got Japanese yeah. text on there, too. Bro, get the fuck out, you weeb-ass motherfucker. Uh, that, is, that is clearly Chinese, my friend. Um, and I'm not saying that just because I read the review that says it's an ode to the Chinese Zodiac. Um, okay, I'll keep going. Yeah, you keep, you keep I... going. <laughs> I listened to another album this week. And as I hinted at... Um, I drank a good drink this week. Well, um, I drank a good drink this week, and that is because my friend, um, like we mentioned earlier, it's is it getting colder outside. Yeah. We're in October. We're in the middle of October. Years wrapping up. I, I'm thinking a lot of these motherfuckers are like, "Hey, it's album of the year season. We got to put out the good shit now." I'm hoping we're at that point in the year, man, because I thought this was a great album. I the, the man look okay we we got a primary genre of avant-garde jazz okay like I'm kind of interested uh we got secondaries of jazz poetry free jazz spiritual jazz and modern creative uh so this is going to be like some some kind of like bonker shit I feel like that's what I'm thinking about going into it I thought it was going to be very noisy very aggressive very loud I don't think it's that I'm talking about coin coin chapter five in the Garden by Matana Roberts. And this is somebody I've thought about listening to for a while, but have never, you know, given that initial push to because her Coin Coin series has been getting a lot of acclaim uh, in the jazz community for the past decade. She started off chapter one in 2011, uh, put out chapter two in 2013, put out chapter three in 2015. Chapter four took until 2019. So it's like, hey, Matana, you still got those ideas. Uh, chapter five, take another four years. 
2023 and uh, you know i i haven't listened to any of the other ones but in chapter in chapter four sorry uh she describes this as being envisioned as a 12 album project and look it already took 12 years to get to five so we can say maybe she'll get to 10 in 2035 and she's she's relatively young she's born in 75 so it's not you know not old by any means um so maybe this whole series will be finished by 2040 so you know if you're listening you got a lot of time it's no rush yeah. <laughs> um, but this is uh i'm 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 unsure of what the theme of the whole project is and how much she's touching on some of the themes that she mentions in the write-up for chapter five. Uh, but to 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 pick some of uh some of what she's said on on the band camp here, uh, it says uh, chapter five is the latest installment in composer, improviser, saxophonist, and visual artist Matana Roberts' visionary project exploring African American history through ancestry, archive, and place weaving together elements of jazz, avant-garde composition, folk, and spoken word. Roberts tells the story of a woman in their ancestral line who died following complications from an illegal abortion. Uh, so you can kind of understand why that's something she'd want to talk about now. Uh, you know, there's there's a, a, a lot of mention of the cast here who seems to be, you know, sort of an all-star cast who's worked with a bunch of different people uh, on violin. You have Maz Swift, who's worked with D'Angelo, uh, bass clarinetist Stuart Bogey, who's worked with TV on the radio and Auntie Balas. Uh, you got pianist Corey Smith, who's worked with Anthony Braxton, uh, percussionist Rob Ryan Sawyer, who's worked with Thurston Moore, uh, Mike Pride, another percussionist who's worked with MDC, and uh, even somebody else we've touched on earlier on the show, uh, Jamie Branch, she was supposed to play on this album before she passed. So she actually gets a credit on one of these tracks called Courage. Uh, she mentions John Cage and uh, Benjamin Patterson, who is a member of Fluxus, who I've heard of before. And I don't think that's actually a, 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 a musical artist. I feel like that's just some sort of group, but I don't know for sure. Um those are some some influences on her as well as Marion or influence on they because I think she's non or they're non-binary. That kind of stuff slips me up. I'm sorry. Um, Marianne Amasher is also an influencer. Amasher, I don't know who that is. Um, but, you know, Matana Roberts is pulling from like a very diverse set of influences and a cast who's worked with a, a ton of different people in a bunch of different forms. Uh, and I do think that that shows up in the work here where there's just it, it never settles into like one specific okay this is what i call this project I, you can say that like the tag of avant-garde jazz is appropriate only because there's not really anywhere else to put it like this is still to my ears definably jazz but it it at points leans out of that um how prophetic is is an interesting track where uh, that is maybe track five or track four, if I'm, uh, let me check to make sure. That's track five. So we're about 15 minutes or so into what is a 60 minute album. So about a quarter of the way through. And the drumming starts off with like a rock drum beat. And that completely threw me off. I was just like, where did this come from? Uh, but it's, it's one of those things where it's like, this is precisely the time to do that. 
and it doesn't sound out of place at all to have that drumming pickup. Uh, it, it just sounds like a, a really masterful move there. Um, this is, you know, the first song here kind of was what I was expecting where it's, it's just this very eerie drone intro. Uh, and then it, you know, after that, the drums start to march and what sounded like some very noisy piccolos started playing, but it turns out they're actually tin whistles apparently, which is, I don't even, I've never even heard of those before, but it's, you know, you can, you can picture what it, what it looks like and sounds like based on the fact that it's called a tin whistle, uh, not like a, a whistle whistle, but it, close enough to a piccolo. Um, and if you hear the tone of it, you'll, you'll understand why I thought it was uh, some piccolos. And uh, there, there's some some unintelligible layered background vocals. And it's just a very creepy thing uh, that sets the stage for the story that she's telling of, you know, I only gave it the one listen, so I, I can't pick up all the beats. But this is definitely, a, a like I mentioned earlier, it's a, it's a concept album telling this woman's story. And... It's mainly told through spoken word poetry, uh, but obviously the music does set the mood and, and the pace for a lot of that story. Um, there's definitely uh, some some free spiritual modern creative wank. Uh, I thought that was you know the the second or third track. They, it all it all blends together, man. This is one long piece for the most part. Uh, or at least I got interrupted through the middle of it, so I can't say for sure because some fucks at work don't know how to do their jobs. But uh, from from all I could hear, this kind of just plays very well as one complete project. Uh, a caged dance also stood out as some some squawky avant-garde jazz. But what what does get really interesting is something that I'd actually read in the comments before I listened to the album. So I was kind of surprised that it that it even got to me the way that it did. Um, user pop papa perino on uh pop up arino i don't know what the fuck they're trying to get out with that name um they say tracks they, they ask anyone got more albums with spoken word over modular synth instrumentals like tracks 8 and 14 so that's enthralled not by her curious blend and for they do not know um i didn't you know i figured okay i've already read about this i'm expecting it uh, it's it's not really going to get to me, but um, that enthralled track, uh, track eight, enthralled not by her curious blend. That to me was absolutely a highlight. As soon as those synths started, you know, it's kind of the same kind of the same thing where maybe fifteen or so minutes in, you get those rock drums that kind of break up the the flow of the album, but you know, in a very controlled and very interesting way. Uh, you kind of get the same thing after another 15 minutes with Enthralled Not by Our Curious Blend, where there's just some some new sound that you haven't heard on this album before that comes in, but also feels like it entirely fits in place. Uh, I don't have too many notes about the rest of the album other than Shake My Bones. I call that another solid avant-garde jam. And uh, For They Do Not Know, which... Track 14 uh, is really the big ending piece to the album, in my opinion. The next track is kind of an interlude, and then uh, the final track, 16, is is a bit more of a closing. Um, I have, for they do not know, as an uncomfortable mix of voices on top of each other with some wild alto sax under it. Um, so, you know, I only gave this the one listen, but I absolutely have to listen to this again. This is 
for sure one of my favorite projects of this year so far and i'm incredibly impressed with it and i really need to go back not just through this coin coin series but uh through the rest of matana robert's work and and really try and you know devote the time to to getting to know that because i think this is someone who uh they have a very original voice um and i mean not like vocally but you know through the way they present their project um I can just tell this is somebody who has been, has been, you know, doing some really inventive stuff over the years and it absolutely deserves my attention, even not talking about, you know, the certain topics that are the background to this story that, you know, has a message, but never feels preachy. I should also mention that like, this is not something that's trying to tell you how to think it's just a story. Um, it's, I, I'm, I just think this is an incredible album and I'm really happy with this. I'm I'm really glad it seems like I'm kind of moving into that end of the year, album of the year kind of zone where uh, everybody knows that people are going to start making their their lists in like a month or a month and a half. So they're like, all right, this is my last chance to get it in. And this is like the most recent chance to get it in. So um, I am going to, I'm going to tag this out of four out of five for right now. I might go up. It might go up because I was really impressed with this. Uh, but, I always want to be cautious at first and, and uh, you know, give a more conservative rating for something that I know I'm going to listen to multiple more times. So for now, Matana Roberts, Coin Coin Chapter 5 in the Garden, uh, 4 out of 5. It is Emmy bait season after all. <laughs> Basically. Wait, isn't it yeah. Emmy's fucking TV? I'm retarded. It's, it's a Grammy. It's Grammy. Well, but nobody Grammy. cares about the Grammys. It's 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 Fantano Bates. Who cares about the Emmys either? <laughs> fucking trash. People care about the Emmys. People absolutely care about the Emmys. They shouldn't. They should only care when Succession wins awards. But uh <laughs> This is, uh, yeah, you're inspiring a little bit because I know that um, I know based on how much I don't want to be at work the rest of this week <laughs> that I'm going to listen to a lot of music and drown out those around me. And I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to a lot of good shit because I am I am on the hunt for it. I've probably got this album, the, uh, the one that I said I was going to do but then didn't because that had very similar genres to this. Um, now I'd like I I do want to go back and look because I know it's gonna be easy to find the link because it has a bunch of the the error string. Shh. Yeah, jazz, I saw pop, that. Smooth, <laughs> jazz chamber. So it looks a little bit more poppy, like jazz and jazz and pop. It's and so the other the... side of the coin coin, if I can say. <laughs> that was not good. That was not good. <laughs> a little bit of a boo little bit but yeah no i'm i'm looking forward this looks uh this looks really good um chapter five of five from chicago illinois uh known for being a very very good jazz and blues uh hub in the united states most of the midwest like has a very good like even even places like cleveland or uh st louis or kansas city have like a really strong blues scene uh, it from sucks out there. Yeah, it does fucking <laughs> suck. That's true. I was gonna say, I mean, like Detroit. Everyone knows about Detroit blues, but like even like other midwestern places, there's a lot of really good blues bands that, from like the 20s to the 50s, is very very alive. 
um, as scenes. So, yeah, this is this is one that I'm looking forward to. These some of these uh, I I clicked on Ryan Sawyer um, at the drive-in. He is credited with that stuff, and and a couple oh, other shit. really okay. good bands. Yeah, at the drive-in from uh, their their tw- 2000 work that got really big. I think Relationship of Command. I I I almost promise that you have told me about that album at one point or another. Um, I have. I used to like really it more good. than I do now. Uh, but he was only playing drums in with them in '96. Uh, so I don't. I don't know how much I'd. I'd put into That's that. Fair. Yeah, there. Uh, there was that one. There was. I was. I clicked on. Uh, I clicked on Corey Smith. Corey Smythe. Um, as as some good stuff too. That's that's in there, but a little bit less proclaim, uh, proclaimed. Yeah, this looks like it's an overall like group project that a lot of people are liking. Less than 500 ratings, like just about 500 ratings. So I think that's like, sadly, like that's the acclaim. That's like what you're going to get for acclaimed jazz on on this site in current year. Um, Especially because it's part of like a larger project. So Mm-hmm. A lot of people are just not going to listen to it because it's like, oh, I didn't watch the first four episodes of this show. I'm not going to watch the fifth. So, but yeah, this is like tin whistle, clarinet, pocket trumpet, pocket trumpet. Sorry, and uh, a couple other cool things. I'm I'm probably going to listen to this at some point. So, do you think that this is going to be in your top five of the year albums? As of right now, it is. Uh, already, so I I don't see it leaving. It's not that, a lot, no. not a lot of time left. I'm gonna, I was gonna say, yeah. Well, that's a that's pretty dope. I'm uh I'm looking forward to this, and uh, I think that you picked out a good one, and I'm I'm kind of sad that Jeff Rosenstock was not the good one, but I probably should have known from those fucking genres that it pro- probably was not gonna be the one. Because <laughs> I'm like, I I looked I clicked on that, I'm like, oh shit, it's probably this one. <laughs> <laughs> But but yeah. oh well, oh well. Well, I've got a I've got nothing else. I think this this is a pretty solid two hour show. And, yeah, uh, I think we can call it here. I'm I'm thinking that I'm thinking that's it. So uh, I'm I'm I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. This is like a this is like housekeeping. I am getting a lot of new computer parts imported tomorrow. Why did I say imported? Installed. <laughs> Coming from fucking Vietnam <laughs> yeah, or something. Imported. <laughs> yeah, imported from fucking Vietnam. No, so like my uh I'm 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 getting like half I'm getting like I guess Frankenstein. My my current PC is getting Frankenstein tomorrow and uh I'm hoping that the the new build is pretty good. We got a new got a new CPU chip and uh this is as I had said before going to be the last build for a computer because I fucking better not still be on computers after that. So uh yeah, that's that's gonna be happening. And uh if if Zoom doesn't fucking correctly install, uh not that it won't because like I'm keeping all the same drives and I found out yesterday that uh that the operating system is stored on the C drive. Uh very mm-hmm. glad it is because if I had to do that shit again I would probably fail. Uh, so, you know, I just, I, I realized I was installing a new CPU and a new motherboard and I'm like, am I going to, am I going to really have to fucking reinstall windows and all this shit? And the answer is just, no. So I'm happy. Bro, like literally just pirate windows, dog. Like every time I open Excel on my home computer now, 
I just I just get a message that says, "Oh, it looks like you're not using a genuine version of Windows. Please go buy a new one." I'm like, "No, fuck off. Why would I do that?" Yeah, screw it. I uh I I at least in, I just I just have done it before because I had to build a PC and then like I got it off Windows, but I could I could pirate it if I really wanted to on a flash drive and and just boot it from there, but no, man, I'm just I'm just glad I don't have to cuz I I I, I don't want to. I, I'm just glad it's. I'm just glad that the operating system is not stored on the mother drive on the motherboard. The mother drive. Um, please delete that. Uh, yeah, the motherboard. <laughs> and I don't know why it would be because there are no. There is no storage on a motherboard. I am. I am growing more stupid with well, technology. No. I mean, there's. You do want to like. It's. It's better to be conscious of like how your parts are going to interact than to just not know any of it at all like i think that's a a good a good sign and a good note of caution yeah so so that'll be next week we're going to be on a fresh copy of a of a of a cpu and a mother i was gonna what say a... mother drive god damn it <laughs> what cpu what, what'd you get i got a new intel 13th gen uh really <sighs> fucking blast you in the face uh with speed and cores because i got it from a uh, I got it from a high school friend's brother. Oh, shit. I, uh, I got it from a high school friend's brother that now works at Intel, and I got it for... I got this $400 CPU for, like, $240, and I'm like, eh, you know what? I'm fucking might as well, you know? Yeah, and, you know what? I was I was going to call you an Intel cuck for a second, but, if you know, you got a good deal on it, so no, no bad. I don't even care, man. I think, I think actually, like, the, the the roles have flipped again where where current Intel stuff like the newest Intel is actually a little bit better performance wise. Not that I fucking even care. Like I just don't want to like I just keep my same mother well, I'm doing a new motherboard. Yeah, I got it for cheap. I don't know. The 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 like comparatively the price for an for an AMD CPU is not the same. Because I got we mm -hmm. got a guy that works at Intel, so like, yeah, fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh Otherwise, yeah, new uh, new build for next week on the on the drive by, and uh, I think we're gonna call it there. This is the sixteenth still. This is the weekly drive. <laughs>